0: to not
1: Tyler Perry's Writer's Room. I'm Crystal. And I'm Ashley. So kick off your shoes, relax your feet, and let's get into it. Hey, girl. Hey. How you doing today, Crystal? I'm good. How you doing, Ashley? Child, I'm happy for this extra day off. You know, corporate job. Sometimes you just get one day, but they started giving us a Friday and a Monday. That four-day holiday changed my life. I feel rested. Listen, they out here on the Black Lives Matter and I am here for it
0: because I need all the Black-ass days. You know? <laughs> <laughs> I, do I get the rest of the week off too? Because right? first of all, let's talk about the domestic terrorism that is fireworks. Girl. Child, let me tell you about how East Oakland showed out the last 62 and a half days. I don't know where... All these damn fireworks came from. I try not to be a conspiracy theorist, but yo, this gotta be ops. Cause like, I have never in all 36 years of my life seen so much heavy artillery popping off.
1: Girl, I saw a meme today that said, like, what budget did y'all have for these fireworks? I'm like, am I in the middle of a war zone? Yes. Because I'm like, so did
0: did y'all get all the fireworks from the Oakland A's, the Raiders, the Warriors? Like y'all Warriors,
1: everybody. all of that
0: shit. Because I'm seeing those from the north, east, south, and west out of my window, and I'm like, these are not regular fireworks. Some stuff were shaking my house, shaking my windows. I was like, can y'all car alarms
1: going off? It was it was a lot. It was too much. It was much. too much
0: and i am looking forward to people running out of these fireworks
1: god just please run out where did y'all get these from where is y'all getting rocket launchers and you know what i just it's okay girl i hope you haven't been desensitized in the event that it was ops and they come up come up come up listen if you stay ready you ain't got to get ready that's right and uh ready but <laughs> i'm gonna get ready i'm just being honest That's real. I'm not ready either. I'm going to tell us one quick story. Today I was watching Married at First Sight on Netflix and they did the axe throwing thing. And I'm like, maybe I don't need a gun. Maybe I can just toss an axe, like, boom, right through your forehead. Take that mug out and keep it popping. Don't got to worry about buying ammunition. Nothing. (laughs) You got
0: to have a hell of an
1: arm to hear
0: of a black woman throwing axes at a tree. Don't be alarmed. It's just Ashley. I'm just saying. Let's get into Miss Zoe and her shenanigans. We are now on season one, episode two, and this episode is titled, Zoe's Extraordinary Best Friend. Now, when I saw this title, I was like, okay, which one is her best friend? Is it Max or is it Mo?"
1: Now, that's a good question. I don't really consider Mo best friend type for her though, but they definitely seem to be friends more than acquaintances.
0: Yes. So- The show opens. It's a musical, of course. So it opens with a song and dance number, which I was put off from initially because one, I did not know the song. (laughs) And two, it looked like she was being possessed, like she didn't have any control over her body. And it was weird. It was like this very weird interpretive dance. And I was like, what the is going on?
1: That part. The way that it opened, kind of that threw me too. I'm with you. It's also trying to figure like, is this is this real? Like, is this a dream? Um, and what was the name of
0: what was the name of that song?
1: The name of that song was "I Got the Music in Me" by Kiki D. I'm not gonna lie, I was in here snapping my fingers and tapping my toes because I knew that song. Thank you, mom, for putting me in Westerville Public Schools. Because this black girl right here was up in chorus, and I know all about these musicals and these little goofy-ass songs. How how does the song go? I got the music in me. I got the music in me. I got the music in me. Woo!
0: Yeah. Yeah. That part. So (laughs) I went to Oakland Public School District, so I I didn't get that. Um, I didn't get the music in me, not in that manner. But, But- So that was interesting, it was just like, then we see, so she wakes up, she's, you know, in her bed or sitting on the edge of the bed, she's doing like this weird interpretive dance because she's got the music in her, and then the next thing you know, she's like in the middle of Embarcadero, and it's a scene, and I'm like, wait a minute, I thought like, she heard people's inner thoughts via music, is she hearing all these people's inner thoughts, are they all thinking the same, are these her inner thoughts, like, what's going on and then we find out that it's a dream it was a nightmare girl
1: i was angry (laughs) i was like this is a dream wtf um what i ended up taking away from this scene was she is i guess i think they were trying to allude to something more comfortable willity so i was like hence the words of the song i got the music in me We know that somehow she downloaded every playlist known to man. So maybe the music is literally inside of her and that's why she can hear it. But this had to be her thoughts because when I, the way she popped up, I thought she was here and Mo played this music next door. And I said, Oh, this is her hearing her own thoughts. Cause when she skipped through Mo's apartment as part of that dream, that's not what Mo's demeanor was. She got on board, but yeah, so I'm like, she must've been hearing herself.
0: That and that's because I was like, "Oh, this appears to be some foreshadowing." And then there was another point of foreshadowing, which is when she actually get up to leave to go to work. She's leaving her um, apartment. To the side of her door is a poster that says "Everything's in Control" with the control button, the Ctrl button. And as she slams the door, that picture goes askew, and so yeah. I'm like, "Hmm, I feel like this is something about everything being in control or not being in control. so." A good catch yeah I was like okay also I was like where was I while they were doing all this filming in the Embarcadero
1: I wanted to ask you the same question I'm like girl did they shut down Market Street for some of these like were you that close to no yeah I'm like I
0: literally worked down the street from there and I'm like but also you know I stay in a building for most most of my day so I just missed but I'm like I want to be I would like to be part of flash
1: mob you could I have mean, been an extra in the flash mob listen
0: could have been an extra i missed you know opportunity but i like I that was a, a good song choice although i did not
1: know the song i was okay that's fitting i said great song selection so this i'm with it Then Mo comes over. This was so funny to me because we got to see a little bit of Mo's apartment and you already kind of have a feel for Mo's personality just in terms of how they interact with the world, especially with Zoe. So over there, there were like all these beautiful colors and pictures, just very cultural and eclectic. And Mo's over here like, hey, girl, I came to get an update. But she is like, Hella checking out Zoe's crib. Like, what are you going for, boo? When she said, oh, is this white girl corporate housing? (laughs) I
0: wanted to crack up because, A, that's totally my aesthetic. I love white. (laughs) Like, this whole, like, white minimalistic thing. But also, a lot of the corporate housing in San Francisco looks exactly like that.
1: I loved Uh, everything about that line.
0: Mo is just... Mo is just so fake. She is everything that Zoe is not. Um
1: absolutely.
0: Which I think is intentional. I'm kind of feeling some kind of way about being more intrigued by Mo than I am by Zoe. Um Oh,
1: absolutely. Especially with the particular gift that she has. I I will we'll get to it a little later. I'm like I think I have I'm taking pause with the fact that Mo didn't get the gift. <laughs>
0: That part, and, and like when Mo came over, I think Zoe said something about being friends or something like that, and Mo was like, "Oh no, boo! I'm I view you as more of a social experiment."
1: Yes, or,
0: you know, like that one time <laughs> I kissed a girl in college, and I was like, "Come through, Mo." Mo is very clear. Like, listen, sis, we are neighbors. We are not quite there yet. Um, I'm mostly intrigued by hearing music in your head. So
1: listen, that's who this that is. took me out but as a result of mo saying that zoe does give her the lowdown on what's been going well and what's been not going so well so she tells us that she's learned that her co-workers hate her <laughs> she tells us that she also is happy that she's able to connect with her dad again and simon who she calls her office crush oh. and then she says i on the other hand, I also heard, found out that my office crush has a fiance and Max, who she claims is her best friend. So there's our answer is in love with her. And a couple things happened when I watched this part. I was like, man, I haven't had an office crush in a minute. <laughs> Me neither. I'm like, dang! I need to work at better places so I have a little eye candy and somebody to crush on. But the other thing was, I'm like, Max is not in love with you. He might have feelings for you, but he is not in love with you. You is over exaggerating. Boo!
0: Thank you. Over inflating this. You have you feel what Zoe? Everything is. Everything very much feels like it's about her in her mind it is it's about her. And I, from the outside looking in, I'm like, I'm also that kind of person. I'm like, what does this mean about me? What does this have to do with me? And it's just not always, not always about me. So I, that was definitely funny how she was like, let me get Mo up to speed. Because the whole thing is they're them to pinpoint what triggers her music. Um, because essentially she wants to control it. She doesn't like the gift. I mean, it's not. I mean, it's inconvenient. It woke her up. She had. She was having a flash mop in her dream. Like, who wants to wake up with that? So, I I thought that was like, I thought it was super cute. I just thought Mo was fly as usual, and Zoe was like, I have these problems. Let's try to figure it out. Yeah. And the next, the next thing we saw was Zoe was at office with her mom her dad and her brother
1: and yeah
0: um it was so funny because her mom made note that zoe looked like really dressed up because she had on a little blazer she totally and did though. she totally she did. did she had on a little blazer and she was like oh it's it's my first day as manager at, at work and her brother was like uh, her brother was just highlighting awkward and weird Zoe is because Zoe had these cards of she was like going through things to say her brother pointed out that she literally wrote hi I'm Zoe <laughs> on her note cards as he hadn't already previously been a member of the same team that she was going to manage um,
1: <laughs> so I was just like Zoe girl get it together. Um, I also thought that was cute, just indicative of like sibling relationships and being able to make jests of things like that. I was tickled. Yeah,
0: it was very, it was very cute. It was very apropos. um, we find out that they basically brought their dad to the neurologist. I don't know if it was part of a checkup or if it was because he's exhibited some more um, dexterity and ability to communicate that he hadn't been. So the neurologist comes in and his neurologist lets us know that what he has, the condition he has, is called um, supranuclear
1: palsy. Or you know I looked it up. And yes,
0: and, and come to find out that this portion of of the show or i guess the narrative is just on the creator's stat. so the creator of the show's a neuromuscular or a neurophysical um condition i'm assuming it's super nu- nuclear palsy as well aka p i had never heard of that before
1: um, i hadn't either it says it's a very rare disorder
0: yeah it's it seems like it's pretty rare and they were informing the neurologist that He is more alert and he has more control over his his body and his muscles. And the neurologist did his, um, I feel like the neurologist probably should have did a little bit more, but it's a TV show. So he, you know, took the, he was looking at the pupils with the flashlight and all that. Um, He had Mitch, which is her dad's name, squeeze his hand, which was something that he had been unable to do before. Um And so the doctor was basically telling the family like, hey, this this is all great. It appears that the new meds we have him on are working and his dexterity is improving and you know, take advantage of it while you can. But this is not a cure. Like this is this is not going to go away. This is nothing that's going to go away. And so you kind of tell that the family was both happy, also kind of a little deflated. Like this is temporary progress. Um, yeah, they
1: did a zoom in on Zoe's face and I was like, oh, you can tell like she's processing. we were so excited here. But it's a reminder that this is very much permanent and not going to go away. And I think that has to be tough for doctors to need to manage those expectations with some hopeful like that happens. You yeah, have to remind them like this is only temporary to your point and things at some point will get worse or not be this way.
0: Yeah, I, that was a very... Um- It was a very important scene, and it also was a very, like, good scene, right? Because, I mean, at this point, it's only two episodes. I am, my two favorite characters are Mo and Mitch. All of my favorite scenes are either with Mo in it or with her dad. Um, And so I think, and I think that's also intentional, too, that the audience is drawn towards Mitch and Mitch's story arc. And I'm just like, oh, I want him to get better. I'm with you, Zoe. Yes, we do. We'll see how that unfolds. And then in the next scene, Zoe's now at work and she also, can we talk about the reality of going to doctor's appointments and things like this prior to work? Like, hello, American capitalism. Like, this is how we have to function. Like Zoe just went through this heavy doctor's appointment with her dad and now she has to go to work and lead and manage for the first time like I, I she should have took that day off like or reschedule <laughs> because I, I don't know if I would have been able to just like tuck it in and then go
1: to work that's real though um I definitely I did feel to your point that this episode brought up a couple things that we can question about the society that we live in from a corporate health care but yeah I mean I shouldn't have had to take the two hours for that and not she wasn't even present for real, for real, in the setting of the appointment, because she was preparing for her speech at work. Diane. And then here it is now. I, I've got to take the bad news and then bottle that up somewhere. Cause I got to, I have a speech that I'm going to go give. She might not have had to. I think that's what she knew, but, and now she's about to go give this, her first, I call it her first managerial speech, her first managerial speech. And she's not processing or dealing. Who knows how or will it come back up? So. Exactly. That's a very good point, hon. And, and
0: Joan being Lorelai Gilmore, aka Joan, again, <laughs> her boss, her boss being the, you know, best woman boss that she is, you know, it's like, hey, quick debrief. Hey, like, what are your plans? You know, no help pressure. me help you. No pressure, but like, <laughs> what are your plans? Help me help you. Like, is there a way we can help you? What are you planning on doing? And she was like, no, I know you don't plan on doing anything like, um, what did she say I know you don't have a team hat day yeah crazy hat day and then Zoe is like check that off the list she balled that card up and slid it in the trash I laughed so and Zoe's been like being the overachiever, awkward person that she is. I've she, read all the books. I've listened to all the past on how to be an effective leader. And Joan is looking at her like, yeah, I didn't ask you all that. What are your plans? Like, get to the point. And she's like, well, I am I just think like I need to improve team morale. I was like, all right, cool. Just, you know, don't do it in any kind of stupid way. And of course, Zoe goes, and she meets her <laughs> team and it's, in this very tech, very very tech unique space we're all sitting on like these bleachers in the middle of the office yes and the middle of the office yes the middle of the office stairs and hey guys i have a little memo to pass and it's like one of the guys is like this thing has a content. it's like what are you talking Listen. about she came out the
1: corner swinging
0: Had like a hundred and twenty page document, and then she then she had journals. And um, what's the character's name? Um,
1: The guy on the front uh, row, Tobin. Tobin.
0: Tobin was like, "Oh gosh, I always wanted a diary. Are you there, God? It's me, Tobin." And that cracks me up because "Are you there, God?" is me. Margaret was one of my favorite books as a kid. And I was like, oh, this isn't a dialogue because they're always trying to make this point about Zoe being in a male-dominated field and Zoe being the only woman. And in the episode, her co-workers were actually making jokes. Joan and Zoe, like, going off and, like, drinking skinny margaritas or whatever.
1: Yeah. And now,
0: yeah, and now Zoe brings them journals, aka, and the book that is referenced is, like, most girls coming to age book.
1: Right. Um, so it was, it was hilarious. It was really cute. It was a um, perfectly placed cultural nuance.
0: Perfectly placed. Oh, I also want to mention too, that Joan gave Zoe advice, which she was not going to follow anyway, but Joan told her like, be strong, be bold, and keep your personal life to yourself. And yeah, that's going to matter. It's going to matter. That's going to matter um this which is the which is the advice that most women get right this is the, this is what you have to do as a woman when you are um climbing up the corporate ladder which is you tuck away your quote-unquote womanhood which you know you can't be mousy you can't be emotional you can't be, can't be right. angry
1: you can't yeah. be a
0: squeaky wheel exactly so i thought that was um cool and then also of course then we see the scene where she's handing out journals and stuff and it was like <laughs> She was always attempt to try to be bold and to try to be strong. Um, yeah, about
1: that. The <laughs> team like, did not feel too. They were like, "What the heck?" Well, yeah, uh, Zoe's just awkward naturally, so her coming to this meeting in this setting was going to come off as awkward. And I think because they're guys, as much as they are awkward, they the scripting makes them come off a little more cooler in the sense that she could potentially be intimidated because she knows she's weirder than them. Mm-hmm. Um, so she, she was cute trying to tell them what she wanted them to do with it. Like, no, I don't want it to be your diary. I want you to write your goals and keep track of your progress and blah, 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 blah. But um, they were so over her and they felt like her comments were contradictory. Like, I thought you just said we were the most programming team ever. Like, why do we need to do, what do we need to do better? Yeah, she
0: was, she was giving me like junior camp counselor vibes, right? (laughs) Camp Anawana. We hold you in our heart. Like it was very much like you were just a coworker yesterday and today you are a leader. You're trying to give me these leader vibes, but I'm like, sure. So like everybody was like, girl, have us. And then she also mentioned that she's been keeping a journal since her first day. I um, mm. work, which I thought was interesting. I also keep a journal, but I keep a journal for a different reason. I keep a journal because as a <laughs> black woman, she's typically messing with me. So I'm a document document, but I'm not writing down like, oh my gosh, today is my first day at work. And like, these people are so amazing. I can't believe I made it here, um, which I'm sure is what Zoe was doing with her journal. But it was it was that was cute. We we also got to see a few more members of the team. We got to see the the extra members of the team that don't get highlighted. So that was True. interesting. It looks like she's leading. I don't know, maybe six to eight um, male engineers.
1: Yes, but an, an entire
0: team. Of course, this is a musical, so this seems like it's time for a musical break. I really enjoyed this one. I liked this one. So so
1: Max. Yes,
0: Max. Max starts getting into some Joe Jonas sucker.
1: Yeah. Because,
0: Cause he's a sucker for
1: zone. Mm-hmm. First of all, he can sing. Yes. That's part of the reason I liked it so much. I'm like, okay, yes, give me this. I loved, I loved it. Um, the and- only thing I didn't like, his, his moves were throwing me off though, but I liked how he cat her in that. I just, it keeps throwing me off that, like, he's singing this song. I know all them people were sitting there while they were recording this. They got a straight (laughs) face. He dancing and all of this jazz. And I'm like, these people and how they just make it seem like they don't hear her interacting with Max. And that's another thing that's interesting, that Max is singing to her. She's talking to him. But, like, Max has no idea that this is what he's giving her. Um, All of those
0: things. Those are all things that I was thinking. And then because, uh, timing wise, yes, we're late. So Hamilton just came out on Disney plus. So I watched Hamilton, been a fan of the sound. Um, shout out to David. Yeah. Shout out to Oakland. Um, so I'm watching Hamilton a few days ago and then I'm like rewatching this episode and I'm like, I love musicals when it comes to theater. Why does it rub me the wrong way? It, via TV format. And I think what it is, is this whole thing of the fourth wall. When you're in theater, the audience is there with the performers. This wall is invisible. There's no actual wall. You're there. So when you see all this movement taking place on stage, your your eyes have other places to go, right? Right. Like I'm buying into it because I can see, I know that this person is walking across and this person is singing. They all know that this person is singing. This person is walking across. Mm-hmm. So it's not, it's not like a secret, but via TV, there is a physical wall. I am not in front of them performing. So it looks very weird to have people in the scene who are not part of the song and dance, who are just sitting there basically frozen in time right. <laughs> because the audience, I'm looking like, um, do y'all hear? Do- Y'all don't see what's going on? Right. So what, what are you doing? Is this, is this just weird for you? Like, and how, in and, and production wise, how does that work? Do, is there a cue where everybody just knows to just show to act like your day is going, you know, along as usual? Just very, very weird. And I was so happy when I figured that out because of love musicals, but something
1: about the teeth, the non-live act, it always throws me off. It's just. I'm just happy that I'm not tripping. It's like, man, uh, it just bothers me. <laughs> Another thing is hate with a passion.
0: Office choreography, and by <laughs> office choreography, <laughs> I don't just mean choreographed place in office. No, I mean choreography that's using office, office equipment.
1: Yep, the office prop. So
0: all the sliding in the in
1: the ergonomic whoa, chairs. Whoa, whoa, like, chair.
0: Oh, my gosh. That was like, I was rolling my eyes so hard. <laughs> I was just like, I can't stand this. And then I noticed it was um, choreographed by Mandy Moore. And not that Mandy Moore, but the other Mandy Moore, who is a very, very famous choreographer from, I think most notably, So You Think You Can Dance. So I'm like, yep. obviously, you've got. High caliber, talented people on your squad, but like, who thought that sliding around in office chairs, like you might as well have just picked up a stapler and started shooting around for all I care? It just, <laughs> it just didn't work. But I'm sure there are people who love it. It just did not. But sucker okay. was the sucker was the first song so far that I felt really matched the feelings and the vibe. That was actually what Max was feeling. Like this was the first time I felt like the song choice. Um thoughts so to speak
1: and um, i could see that especially with all the vibes that he was giving when she first got up there and told them they're the best from ever at first i'm like is he being really and he's like yeah best pro derby team ever and then he claps um but they pan back to him and he he really does appear to have a look of admiration on his joey like dang that's my friend she's my boss now and i think that he kind of thought that was dope so yeah I agree. That was a perfect song in his thoughts. It's just so interesting to me because even though he's conveying those thoughts mentally, I do not really feel like his demeanor indicates that that's what he feels.
0: Yeah, yeah. It it feels like, I don't know, it feels like he really, really likes Sully, but... Not in a, not in a fully romantic way. It feels like his inner thoughts are, this is my best friend. I've kind of always liked her. The timing has kind of always been off. Um, but it also is a little weird and awkward. And it feels like he kind of wants to just naturally explore it. It doesn't feel like he's like, man, that's Zoe. I'm like that. And I feel like she interprets it as a, like he's coming after her. And he, it's not that, that part. You know? Yeah. So. I think that's interesting, and I'm really interested to see how that dynamic continues to play out. We see in the next scene that... That's a perfect cue for the next scene. Zoe and Max are somewhere in the office,
1: and... Can they buy the cereal bar? Oh,
0: well, they buy the cereal <laughs> bar, and Simon comes up, and Max wants to have a you know a conversation with Zoe, and she's very clearly trying to avoid him. She's
1: Well, this is where he's <laughs> he started off this conversation weird. I noticed for this episode in general, they're seeing wordplay, um, but he rolls up to her. He's like, I won the lottery. She's looking like, what? And I think she's thinking, you about to quit? And he's like, no, I won the lottery to, what is the place called? It's like farm to table food. Handpicked. Handpicked. He said he won the lottery. And she's like, super juice." And then he asks, he's like, the reservation's for Thursday. Is it a date? Here's the first example of this uh wordplay. And she's like, is it? and he's like no like I mean like can you come (laughs) and this is perfect to what your point is like the way Zoe's interpreting these things is so much more grandiose than it really is. Cause when he said it, I, I knew he was coming from a, a space of colloquialism. Like, that's a date, right? Yeah. I didn't even think there was anything awkward about it. Um, no. And she started freaking out. And I love the fact that he called her on it though. He was like, what is wrong with you? Like, are you okay? And she's like, what do you mean I'm, I'm acting weirder than normal? Girl, when he said it's hard to tell. Don't <laughs> 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 laugh. And then, of course,
0: Simon rolls up and she takes that as a big opportunity to like pivot, like, oh, hey, Simon, this is. And she's kind of like Max and Max, this is Simon. And Simon, like, oh, I see you guys hanging out a lot, you know, and and she's like, oh, no, not like, you know, not more than the normal amount that like friends would hang out. In this moment, I'm like, is she making this a thing because think this is inappropriate now because she's a manager or is, is this inappropriate because she feels like um, Mac or both, right? We don't really know. We don't really know where she's from now. Uh, but this is a perfect opportunity to kind of like muscle out of that conversation. And this is the first time I've seen Zoe be kind of assertive. She seems pretty sure of that she does not want to have this conversation with Max. Like she's trying to set boundaries out of the blue and Max is confused and I'm confused too. But I'm like, on the other hand, I'm like, okay, well, you know, you can communicate clearly and directly. This is interesting. Right. Simon tells her that he needs to pull her away for a little while because he wants to collaborate on a project with her
1: engineering team. Can we go back to that scene really quickly though? Because I wanted to know what your thoughts were about the Simon and Max's interaction because there was a little bit of it that came off as a borderline pissing contest. Like Simon rolls up and makes jest about them hanging out a lot. And he's like, oh, you must be close. And then Max's comeback was pretty snarky. He was like, she's like, oh, Max, have you met Simon? He's like, oh, yeah, I've, I've heard your name maybe once or twice before or, or maybe not at all. Like, I don't know. And I was like, oh, OK. Yes. yes. <laughs> so at that point, I was kind of like, OK, Max, this is where I feel like you might be giving me your into her. And you're perceiving that Simon is potentially a threat because we know that that's her office crush. And I think Max has observed how she responds when Mm -hmm. Simon is around. Yes. So I found that interesting too. And I just wondered if I'm like, I wonder if Crystal thinks if she was picking up on those vibes and that's why she was all, she was very intentional about using the word friend frequently.
0: Yes. Definitely picked up on those vibes and also picked up on something else. I, my. The question that I had while watching the rest of the episode is why is she so awkward around Max and not so awkward around Simon? Because Simon is the guy that she's seen on. So logically, you would be more awkward around the guy you're crushing and less awkward around the guy that you know. So there definitely are some interesting dynamics between both Max and Simon and also interesting how Zoe reacts to both of them. And I I think that's, go ahead. No, I was just saying, I think that's something that we'll just, we'll have to continue watching to see how those dynamics develop.
1: Agreed. I just, I wonder if for her, I was thinking about this towards the tail end of it. Like if it's, if it's awkward because she knows that Max is interested in her, but Max doesn't know he's interested in her. Well, Max doesn't know that she knows he's interested in her. Whereas it's Simon, they have had a bond, Read that it was probably trauma bonding. And that is her choice or her assertion to have this crush on him. So it doesn't feel like it's being imposed on her. Um, yeah, I yeah, if that's I mean, part of it. That's
0: great. That's a great insight. And I also think it's a part, it's, it's, it's more jarring. It's more. She's got more skin in the game, so to speak, with Max, because there's history there. That's her yeah. friend. There's more to lose. Right. And also Simon is this new hot guy. He's a crush. He might be a flash in the pan. Like it just, you know, it's just relationally you kind of flow vibe differently with someone who's new. You're just like, ooh, <laughs> flirtatious, you know, and then Max yeah. is kind of like this thing. So I think that'll be another interesting um, thing to watch throughout the rest of the show. So Simon tells Zoe that he needs the help of her to create like a cool marketing play to get the beta users to come to the launch party for their. And instead of doing the traditional, which is send out invites via push notifications, they brainstorm and they come up to send basically create a scavenger hunt and send clues to the beta users via push notifications and that. All users at some point would converge into critical mass, and they would all lead back to the for the launch party. Yay! Spark point. Mm -hmm. Um, So we kind of see the rapport Zoe and Simon have. It's not just this romantic thing; like they have this really good kind of like collaborative, cross-functional thing going on. Zoe shows. Her awkwardness, of course, because they're throwing around football a football and she knocks something over um, because she has little coordination. Um, just no because athlete. she didn't play
1: sports when she was younger. <laughs> yeah.
0: And at which point Simon is like, um, and he just he comments on high it is for them to have something else to talk about other than like dying parents and parents who are sick. Um, I agree. That yeah. was a refreshing interact. That was nice. And then Zoe goes on him that she just came from the doctor's office with her dad and there's some good news that there seems to be some improvements. So that was cute. Okay, go ahead and get out of your charm. Tr- Come on, let's move out of that. <laughs> um, but what what I did find interesting, which was she shared that with Simon and shared that with Max.
1: Indeed, and that Max is t- her best friend. Yes, my best, best friend, grandma. my best friend, my best friend. Yes,
0: my best friend. That's my best friend. But Maybe yeah. she'll
1: share later. She was just overwhelmed with all the uh, showering of affection that Max was doing subliminally.
0: Also, now you know if something like. First person I'm talking to when I show up at work, when we work together, first thing we do, I'm Ashley.
1: <laughs> you got a minute, maybe in the kitchen. Meet me. So
0: that, I thought that was intentional and I also thought that was interesting. So in the next scene, it's lunchtime. It's lunchtime. And earlier in the day, her and Mo had made like a coffee date to just possible ways to figure out like what's going on with this music. They're just trying to figure out how to control this thing. So they go to their local coffee spot
1: and is this a we... real place Gold, Golden Golden Gate Grind is that a real no, place it's okay. not a real place I said is this a TV place or can I go there it's a TV
0: place but can we talk how fly Mo is every time Mo shows up see.
1: yes Come, she came through with this ponytail
0: she came through with a ponytail with a fade on the side a sequin jacket mm-hmm. I, if I'm not mistaken they were heels on Has I believe Some little skinny jeans. I think when they were standing and last saw her, she was doing the black auntie stance, which is she had (laughs) purse kind of dangling on her arm or on their arm, and she had a little T-stance, like she was in a, um, a pageant, and sis was yeah. like frozen. So, it's the line, they're ordering coffee, Mo tells Zoe, hey, got the best noise-canceling headphones on the market. <laughs> we gonna see is when you put these on, if you can still hear the music, so that they identify, is the music coming from inside of her, or is she actually hearing other people? Yeah. Um, and I was like, wait a minute, Mo, bring her Do Damn expensive. You gonna give her your... Expensive headphones, Listen. but also I Mo have a sugar daddy, sugar mama. Mo, Mo got no something.
1: We saw the inside of Mo's apartment. Mo, we're not gonna hurt by London hurt. No, Mo, was not was gonna like, happen.
0: Yeah. So they're waiting in line, and all of a sudden, the barista starts singing Whitney Houston's "I Want to Dance with Somebody." I did not like this arrangement. No, ma'am. I was like, I don't no like way.
1: the Chopped and Screwed. <laughs>
0: no, no way, no, no, ma'am. First of all, that song is an upbeat, up song. Okay.
1: Don't do I, any. No, I know. I was. Don't do any. I was sad. I'm like, who allowed this? Y'all didn't do that to
0: Joe. you do that to the little Jonas man. Sure Why are you gonna do that to Whitney? And this and this to me was one of those points where it's like, okay, this is one area where I could tell that there was no one in the room who was a a huge Whitney fan or b a black person between the ages of twenty and five
1: because because <laughs> we would have said let that ride. It definitely should have don't. been the original
0: we don't play with Whitney. We don't play with Luther. We don't play with, it's a lot of pop artists you could play with, but not Whitney. And I liked the, I felt like the song was very fitting. So this was the, this was another song where I felt like, okay, this is a good song choice, but the arrangement. I've
1: to watch the episode twice to understand why. Play, and I'm like, oh, there's a couple by the countertop making out. And it's like, I want to make out with somebody too. Yes, yes. For what The remainder of what happened in the scene, I felt like it was just so cliche for what happened. The song that was played for what happened next, which I think you're about to talk about.
0: It was very cliche and the interpretive dance was mm -mm, not it. Nope, not
1: it. I could have done without it.
0: Could have done without it. And when Mo was like, "Uh uh-uh, that's not She was like, wait a minute, you hearing people singing and dancing right now? And And uh, Zoe was like, yeah, she was like, what song, what song is playing? She was like, I think Whitney Houston. And Mo was like, you think Whitney Houston.
1: Right. But I I feel like they also did that to just continue to play into who Zoe is. And we, we had our resident musical expert Mo present so we could get there.
0: But Mo said something that I thought was really funny when she was like, this gift is wasted on you. And I thought that was hilarious because you have Mo there who is the song music expert, but Mo can't hear the music. So Mo can't help you identify. So it's like, why have the music expert there? Other than I get it that she's a mechanism that's served to kind of underscore what Zoe does not know. And also just kind of a matter of record. Like there's someone else there who can't necessarily hear what's going on or see what's going on, but they believe that it is going on. So I get that part. But if she is the musical expert and sis can't hear it, like, but I guess we are extensions of Mo, right? We are, the audience is expected to have knowledge similar to Mo, and we can hear and see it. So although that's irritating, I think that's what the writers are doing. And if that's the case, that makes sense. But what I was trying to figure out is again, what is going on? Is Zoe hearing solely the barista's thoughts? Because there are other people who are dancing. singing and not only dancing, it was people who were singing lyrics to the song. So I'm like, are, do they want to dance with somebody too? Like what,
1: Everybody. Um, you are right. I forgot about that point. And for the sake of that, I do think it, I don't know if they were attempting to add more complexity or they just aided in adding more confusion. But yes, I remember the the guy behind her singing after the barista and then there was like another guy adjacent to her that had a part of her voice and then I think they were all singing the chorus while they were doing them plies and shit on the counters yeah, it
0: was, it was weird, it was sanitary. There was a lot <laughs> wrong with this situation. But what we found out is that Zoe tried Mo's headphones and she could still hear the music. Mm-hmm. So we know that the music is not external, it's internal. Zoe's hearing it from inside of her song. And so Mo was there like taking notes, like I gotta write this down because we gotta figure out like what's the pattern, what's the trigger. Um, finally get to the counter to order coffee and it's zoe is a regular there because she knows the barista the barista knows her we find the barista's name is autumn um and then zoe knowing that autumn is feeling lonely and wants to be in a relationship is like "Mm, perfect guy for you how about max Mm -hmm. and i was like that like instead of having an actual meaningful conversation with max and say, let's discuss our feelings. You're just going to pawn off on somebody else?
1: Zoe's so awkward. I think knowing that he likes her is awkward enough, especially knowing she's not there. And we obviously know she has issues. There, there wasn't a part of me that was surprised by this, but I was certainly disappointed by it. Mo was like, um, Zoe, what are you doing? <laughs> then she's like, mm, I'm going to pick my battles, okay? I'm going to some weird, this might be some weird white people shit, because where I'm from, we don't hook the people who like us up with
0: the other okay, especially. And I think the thing that I thought that was weird about it was it was obvious that it was like this very and this is very San Francisco, so I was like, okay, it's very true to life, it's very hard to get in, farm to table place. And it was obvious that Zoe and Max both wanted to go to this for some time, mm-hmm. and so I get her being like, hey, have you met Max? You remember Max who comes in here? Like, maybe you guys should go you know, go to the movies or whatever. But I wouldn't have offered for her to go in lieu of me to something that I wanted to go to for months or however long. So that was a little odd, but we could see that. It might be a good match because Autumn seemed to be, she brought up handpicks even before Zoe said anything. And she was really enamored with the fact that they make their own butter there, which because was have also, a real cow. They have a real cow, which was also something that Max had mentioned. So it was kind of the writer saying, hmm, little cookie crumb. These two pieces might match, might fit together. It just was awkward. And so how, you know, Mo goes about business. Zoe brings Autumn. Uh, to hopefully the office. At, look, hopefully at the end of her, she on lunch. Like what happened? <laughs> she, she, she just took off. She just brings her to the office. It's like, hey, Max. Remember Autumn? And he's like, and he's, she's like, well, I have this thing to do with my family on Thursday. Go. And Autumn would like to go to handpicked with you. And Autumn's mm-hmm. like, if that's okay with you. And Max seems kind of like, what the hell about it? But then Autumn, um, Hey, I'll just continue to serve you your coffee black. It, that's no problem. And
1: impressed that she remembers his drink order. Yes. Um, and this was, was just enough for him to be like, Oh. You're interesting. He was like, oh, you like, remember my drink order? <laughs> what was the thing she called herself? A foam what? Oh, a foamographic. Yes. Of, foamographic photo- memory. Yes. I chuckled. I said, whoever wrote that, that was actually cute. And I can't remember what I know her from. I
0: didn't look it up, but she's very, she looks very familiar. Um you go, girl. So, Zoe excuses ex- herself from their little conversation, which is odd. I'm like, she don't have a name back. Do y'all not have, do you not use Envoy at work? Like, what am my Do you have to check in your guests? So, she's hanging around the office. She could be still in engineering, seeing all kinds of stuff. I whatever.
1: everything.
0: Everything. She could be in there snapping photos and everything. But, okay. okay. Which, actually, <laughs> caveat, <laughs> that would be a good, <laughs> that that would be something that I would not expect. So, writers of the world, including ourselves. This would be a point where you could do something that the audience would not guess. You could turn this into like a corporate espionage thing. It would really work.
1: Well, I, they're giving they're giving us an opportunity to do so by creating this uh, depth in Max. Um, hopefully we'll see them hanging out some more. I'm curious to see what that's going to look like once he get with somebody. Anyway. Yes. So then Zoe
0: steps away and she gets a FaceTime call for her brother, yep. David. Her brother's name is David. And David is calling to share that there, he gave their dad buzzer from the taboo game. And <laughs> dad is able to communicate via yes and no questions he pre- he buzzes one for yes and two for no. So this is cute. We're seeing again dads improving some. He's communicating, and we're also seeing like the dynamic because the questions that are asking, like I think at some point, dad's like do you like me better than Zoe, <laughs> like that kind of thing. And then Zoe asked Dad, would you like for me to come over later? And he says yes, and um, my heart almost exploded. So that was cute. So then, what happens after that? Oh, so there, so Zoe's at still at work. So he Max confronts Zoe. Max, like I'm
1: loving everything about him, calling her the carpet. Listen, I'm loving everything about Max, it. Max calls Zoe to the red table and say, "Listen here, <laughs> we got some things to
0: discuss, Jaden." Why
1: are you acting so weird? Another play, power play with the words. He was like, "Is this due to your new power?" And she's like, <gasps> power what power and he's like duh girl you a manager and then she
0: as usual she exploits that instead of actually being honest she's like yes that's exactly what it is it's because i am now in a position of power over you and i don't want this to seem like i am you know like this is a lover's quarrel and turn around the camera pans around and like (laughs) nobody cares max is like i'm
1: pretty sure Nobody cares. Nobody, I love nobody the, cares. I'm so, like Why well, that was my question in the first episode. I said, I wonder how things will be and what boundaries showed up as a result of being now knowing that Max is a close friend of her. Yes, you so, did. Yes. It may be a legitimate concern, but I know that wasn't the real reason she Yeah.
0: No. And also the dynamics of the team were very loosey-goosey anyway. It wasn't like the team was extremely structured and like there was this clear hierarchy, you know, and that doesn't really happen often in tech, anyways. Although there are hierarchies, but tech always makes it seem like we're all co-workers. And it's like, um, you're the CEO. I'm not your coworker. I'm obviously six levels below you. But right. um that was that was interesting. And so the next scene we see Zoe's at her parents' house.
1: Yes. And the next few scenes were really fun.
0: Cool. We g- we get there. Mom is flustered and frustrated, and there's things all over the place. And Zoe's like, what's going on? And we come to find out that, and Mitch is pressing that buzzer. Like, and her dad, Mitch, has been trying to convey something to her mom. Her mom can't figure out what it is. And it's really hard to figure out what someone's thinking, yes or no, right? So, We've, that binary questioning is probably not the best way for mitch okay and so zoe she's about to go into her whole like my life is so and then mitch busts into song and starts singing moon dance by van morrison yeah and i did not realize that i knew so much of this song i was like i know that song um, for you, girl. And again, I love Mitch. It's it's also amazing to see a, a character who is unable to communicate, unable to move, effect, all of a sudden come to life. I really, he, I mean, his voice is great. He's got some of the best dance moves. I actually liked this choreography because it, it was him and his wife were like, you were saying, they were playing like a cat because it became clear in the scene that he was singing and he was dancing Zoe could see it because her mom was like totally ambivalent to it. He was like going through her arms and, you know, she was picking up laundry. And I think the choreography was extremely functional and it served a purpose. It
1: displayed what the lyrics were conveying. Absolutely. And I, I think it's cute just with her having this new gift and ability for her to be able to communicate with her dad for the most part pretty clearly since everyone else is struggling. So in that, I kind of see there being almost within their relationships and every other one is a bit stressed. So I enjoyed that. <laughs> and I thought the way that she told him was cute. And she's like, do you remember when I told you <laughs> that I'm able to hear people's feelings and thoughts through music? I just heard you sing Moon Dance. And I knew she didn't know that song either. <laughs> she did
0: not know anything. So now we know that zoe needs to figure out a what is mood dance b dad trying to communicate and of course when she's trying to figure out songs and all that who does she go to mo yes so the next thing we know is the next day mo's giving us rich
1: like mo
0: came through she had a bob now i'm
1: like come on mo come through with the hair changes She's on this really pretty dress too
0: pretty dress and like a fur, like old fur, maybe real fur in San Francisco. So it's a faux fur. It's like, they're like at the park and like everybody else is Patagonias and jeans and like (laughs) Mo's out there like slaying, giving you all the drama. And Zoe tells Mo that her dad was singing Moo Dance. And she's like, I think my dad was trying to convey. She was like, that he trying to sleep with your mom? And Zoe's like, No, I don't think we can just immediately draw that conclusion. And Mo is like, sis, you do know that the lyrics of that song says, Well, I wanna make you I wanna make love to you tonight. I can't wait until the
1: morning has come. So what do you think that means? He said they didn't make it that far when he was singing it. I hollered. I'm like, but I thought you did research on the lyrics. I thought you Googled the
0: lyrics. And uh, Mo said something that was really funny. Mo was like, well, so Zoe was like, well, I guess I have to talk to my my mom about their sex life. And and Mo was like, well, with great power comes a bunch of nasty stuff no one wants to do. And I thought that was cute because everybody knows the whole with great power comes great responsibility line. So that was a kind of play on that because this is a great power and it is great responsibility. But her great responsibility is having these uncomfortable conversations with people she loved.
1: This was another moment, though, where I'm just like, why does she have power? Yeah. Why <laughs> this, her? It's just so frustrating. Like, why Zoe? And I'm hoping that by the end of the season that that question is answered for for me.
0: I hope so too, because I'm just like we could just y'all could have just gave this to Mo, but then also
1: maybe that would you know it would
0: Mo would figure it out way too easily. I I don't know,
1: or maybe we um, have more interesting
0: stories for
1: conversations.
0: <laughs> that part, but like you said, this kind of the things where it's like only time will tell. I guess this might have this must have happened on on lunch, or maybe this happened the following day. But Zoe's now back at the office, and she's a whole other beast. She's giving them hell. She is She is being the manager everybody hates. She is micromanaging. She is micromanaging. <laughs> she, she is micromanaging. She's insulting
1: people, being condescending. <laughs> yeah, I'm just like, mm, when did you become an egomaniac?
0: Like, and she's having these discussions like, well, since you guys haven't been able to do it, I'll just do it by myself. And I'm just like, oh, that's not going to work. There's a team for a reason. And the next thing we know, it's the next morning, and Zoe's being woken up Simon, so apparently she fell asleep at her desk.
1: Can we talk about how they had her slobber on the side of her face, though? And he was like, you got a little little, sunlight there. Listen, her wearing that intern sweatsuit to her pre was trash, but I thought this was a good scene to talk about, like, issues with peer promotions and managers and those interactions because I feel like Zoe, Joan may have known that this is what she did before they left to go home that night and I laughed because Zoe literally watched everybody go home like somebody was supposed to feel sorry for her and stay like ma'am you have belittled me and told me you're gonna do it yourself do it yourself do it it's all on you sis you could
0: have been fixed <laughs> but but so, and and I think Max actually said something like, "Well, maybe I'll bring you something or something." He alluded to like,
1: so he would said I would take pictures of some of the food if that's okay and doesn't cross your boundaries." I said yes for this petty.
0: <laughs> Come on, passive aggressive, I love it. Sometimes you got to give the, give the white women a little passive aggressive back to them because yeah, you know they like to give it a little petty Murphy. <laughs> that was hilarious. She ends up doing her presentation and. I'm not sure who it was. I don't think it was the board, but in front of some important people and because she had coffee spilled all over herself and she slept at her desk and hadn't showered or took taken care of her body, she had on SparkPoint sweats and T-shirts and she did the presentation. I mean, she did it. Just but after the presentation, Joan pulled her to the side and she was like, listen, here. So, don't do that again one you look at it. two you smell and I think Zoe actually said something like well is it about appearance only because if I was a guy and I was like oh that's a good place. because a lot of these male engineers show up in pajama pants and sweatsuits and all of that so she was like wait a minute is this because of how I'm dressed because guys wear this all the time John was like no 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 you also smell so she's gonna <laughs> go
1: home get some rest and bring her tail back she also,
0: I, I like Joan too, because Joan is not just being a hard ass. She gives her these nuggets. Like she told her doing projects as pers- a team of one is unsustainable. This is not gonna, you have to collaborate with your team. You need to pivot. Go home, rest, come back with a new plan because the way you're trying to be this one woman show, that's not going to work. And I thought it was super funny when she was like, FYI, the swag is for the interns to keep them happy because we don't pay them enough. And I thought that was funny because that's, that's exactly real. what they were. really, really real. So, so again, real. shout out to Laura Light Gilmore, a.k.a. Joan.
1: I appreciate her as a manager because I feel like her feedback is timely and I feel like she's genuine concerned about Zoe's test,
0: exactly for those things
1: yes I like I keep the role you're playing for those that manager subordinate dynamic there yes because she's not she's not she doesn't want to hover she wants to give Zoe she wants to
0: give Zoe the um, impression and also trust you I chose you for this job I trust you to lead but I'm also here to assist but I'm not going to do it for you Um, and I think that's something that also occurs. This is a dynamic that occurs between two women in this space, because I think if it were a male, that male manager would be doing the opposite, be micromanaging Zoe. And Joan is like, Oh, I am a woman who's made it to a certain level. I know what it takes to assist you in helping you get there. I can't hold your hand because one, people are going to always expect that you're, you're climbing the ladder because a woman is helping you. So I don't want that. And two, um, you also need to to earn it, and I kind of feel like she's not going to let Zay crash and burn. She Absolutely. wants her to learn, but she doesn't want her to just crash and make a fool of herself. So, I do love that dynamic, and um, I think it's, I wish it happened more often in reality. Yes, unfortunately, oftentimes even when you get women in C suite or upper level management position, they are jostling with you as comp- as future competition. As opposed to
1: mentors,
0: right? So I think a lot of them
1: just end up getting jaded. So what you've said before, like in order for you to be a female boss in the workplace, startup and or there's so much of your feminine that they will require of you to strip down to be able to function at that space. It's like they don't want you as competition because they work so hard to get there. And now I'm just trying to stay there and keep up with the good old boys. So
0: exactly. It's nice to see.
1: a a softer touch applied to this that should be more realistic in more real spaces.
0: And so we go from one female to female relationship to another very important female to female relationship, which is Zoe's relationship with her mom. Oftentimes, oftentimes when Zoe goes to her parents' house or she's around her parents, so much is centered around Mitch. Dad is the one who has this, this disease. So, we don't really get to see a lot, a ton of interaction between Zoe and her mom. But Zoe goes to her parents' house in conversation with her mom. She's like, I gotta have this. Um, I can't tell my mom that I hear music, but hey, I heard this ad the other day and this song Moondance came on and he really seemed to be into it. Like, um, how is y'all sex life? Um, I think, I think dad maybe be trying to tell you that he wants to have more sex. And mama's like, no, sis, that's not it because we do, we do
1: that. And i like, Okay, mama
0: and two how? But
1: that's none of my business. But I I'm still the love. only one that I'm like, well wait, how does this how does his supra nuclear palsy really impact him? And I couldn't figure out if her response was coming off as defensive or if like she just sold it and maybe she was telling the truth as well. I was like
0: Really, y'all getting it in? She came like, Oh, oh no, honey, that is so sweet that you're concerned about <laughs> you and your, me and your dad. We don't have that problem, girl. And when you get a man, she didn't say this it, kind of like, And when you get somebody, <laughs> I will let you know how <laughs> your daddy happened. But and I was just like, Oh, that's a I, but I thought it was an awkward conversation that that didn't go as awkwardly as I thought it would, like, yeah, it could have been more awkward than that. She
1: navigated um, it pretty decent. Very well. And so
0: then her mom told her, well, you know, Zoe was like, oh, moon dance. And her mom was like, well, um, when your dad and I were dating, we went to a Van Morrison concert and we were in all of that. And that's the first time he get kissed me um, Girl, during, so during moon dance. I was like, oh. And so Zoe figures out like, that's what he's trying to tell her. And so, no, it wasn't the first time he kissed you. It was the first time that Mitch said, I love you. And Zoe's like, dad's trying to tell you he loves you. That's. And I was like, oh, okay." And so they're having this moment. And her mom's kind of like reminiscing about when they were young and dating. And Mitch said, I love you. And the doorbell rings.
1: And who's at the door? Girl. She's like, are you expecting company? Girl was mad. It was Max. Max the dog.
0: Yes. I said okay. Max. Max came up with the dog at the door with a a goodie bag or a doggy bag. Picks. So he just came from his date. And Zoe was like, "What's that?" And he was like, "I brought Mitch, some butterscotch, because I remember you telling me that your dad can only eat soft foods."
1: And I wanted to fall. Listen, Max is so
0: sweet. And he also was to us, the audience, about how Mitch is really his father. He doesn't have a good relationship with his dad. And throughout the his friendship with Zoe, Mitch has always invited him to all the family events all, every Christmas, every Thanksgiving, all of these things. And so now we're kind of getting some more insight into why maybe Max feels the not only is Zoe his really good friend, but he feels like he's part of the family.
1: Mitch wants him to be. Yes.
0: (laughs) In in addition to liking her. So it's deeper than just, I like her. It's like, I possibly love her, like on some deep, deep stuff, like on a, on a relational familial type situation. I just was like, oh my God. He was like, so do you want to go take it to him? You know, just FYI, change in the last few months, he may not appear the way that you, you're used to seeing him or whatever. And Max goes into the room where Mitch is, and he's talking to Mitch, like Mitch understands him, which he does. But sometimes when when people talk to um, people who are sick or differently abled or something, they talk down to them, like, yeah. or they yell or whatever, he was having a normal conversation with Mitch and he was like I see you're sitting in your favorite chair they panned to Zoe in the bay and Pang and Zoe gave him this look like she wanted to give it all to
1: Max I just loved what I also loved about that scene was how Max coming over and also having the conversation with Mitch really humanized Mitch again like we know we had just had the scene with her and her mom bonding but we we often see a lot of the interaction with Mitch and then trying to understand him or with him, and it was just nice to see somebody interact with him in general. Yes, um, that was non-familial, even though we know he is familiar degree. And I'm like, this is really, this is a really good scene for Max and Mitch. So I'm like, Max is so thoughtful, and
0: and Max also they had a short Max and Zoe had a short little conversation about like the awkwardness at work. They both admitted True. to, you know, things were a little awkward and like, Hey, we, we're good, right? Like, yeah, sure, we're good. And the next thing we know, Zoe's back at work and, <laughs> um, she's having a discussion with Simon and she's asking Simon like, Hey, you're busy, but I see you get out of here at six, six o'clock every night. Hey, he's not an engineer. Like, yeah, if you want to get out of work at six o'clock, you should not have chose engineering. FYI, but in, Simon just basically explains to her his belief system around work-life balance like he basically Simon needs to go and teach everybody about this personal personable management he has it and he explains that his father owned a small chain of electronic stores up and he made it a point every week or however so often to fix big vada chili and he went around to all his stores and he fed his employees and It's that really one-on-one personal connection with the people you work with that motivates them to do really good, Efficient. It's not, you don't want to be a a dictator. You want to be one of your, you want to be a teammate.
1: I thought that was so real. And I love the fact that they, whether they realize it or not, they had it black entrepreneurs even in him sharing that story so i thought that that was-
0: loved that i was like okay pops and also we get a little bit more insight into his relationship other than the fact that his father took his own life
1: because yes. so far
0: all we know is his father took his own life and which which has all these negative connotations which is mm-hmm. you know he must have been selfish or yada 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 or whatever the case may be and we see now that he very much was not that person Absolutely. You know, so I that was nice. So Zoe gets; she's now motivated. She wants to. She wants her team to feel like she is part of the um a dictator. And so she meets with her team again, and she brings out her journal and tells them, "Hey, I've been keeping this journal since day one. Here are my initial thoughts." And she goes on to read all of these first impressions she had of all of these people, um, like she was. She called Leaf a genius. She said Tobin was a legend in the hacking community. And she also, her impression of Max was, is it too soon to say that this is my friend for life? And she, what also was funny though, before she got there, she started off with naming like three people's names and left. Like one <laughs> went to Google, one got yep. fired, somebody else had a... Um, a nervous breakdown and I was like, oh, that's real. Attrition is so real in the tech world. But she basically told her team like, let go of being so controlling and I'm going to trust you. In an exchange, I would like for you guys to trust me. Team morale is up. Like they're vibing and it's like, yes, team's back.
1: I was happy they came back to this and closed the loop on it in regards to her kind of wrapping up her conversation. And I I like the form in which it changed. I did kind of wrestle a little with maybe it's just startup setting. I haven't been in startup startup for real. I mean, we still be trying to consider it for 20 years, but we're still, we're not mature per se either. Nonetheless, I originally, I was thinking, well, dang, don't they have one of us? Like she couldn't just tell leaf and them this like personally, then I'm like, well, dang, like you're a female. And I'm like, am I playing into this too? Like, did you really have to read them how you felt about them in their diary like you sound like you're worshipping them like you want them to respect you not me. So I went through like a whole myriad of emotions during that but happy they brought it back and closed it in a way that it was meaningful for herself and her teammates
0: I I thought that was cute it was all closing of the loop And in the next scene we see that at her parents' house, but it's just Mitch and her mom, and her mom has on a little little lingerie. She had a little lingerie on and she's doing yes. a little sexy slow dance while she's singing um, her rendition of Moon Dance. And you can at the end, Mitch does his buzzer once for yes, like he really likes it, and I'm like, oh no, dude. I was like, he was like me. I was like, whoa, that's a, that's a big yes. So we see Zoe's time it's helped her mom and dad be able to communicate with one another and her acting as an intermediate uh, intermediary she's leaving I don't know I think she's leaving work she passes coffee shop Autumn and Max are hanging out after some shift, so it's like ooh, is there a love connection there mm-hmm. she encounters Mo again all I have is like come on outfit changes Mo It just I, I know I've said this at least five times Sly as fuck like you better come the fuck through like I don't know if the writers had you written like this as a character or you were like oh no ma'am my character's not wearing overalls that's not <laughs> That's not what we do I don't know but whoever whatever combination please give us all these outfit changes um, yeah Mo
1: shows up again I liked how much we got Mo in this episode yeah.
0: yes so we're back in Zoe's house so Mo, Mo just then Zoe's like um I love how we where you just show up whatever she's like yeah whatever I show up whenever I want to show up she was like doors mean nothing to me and I love that because I love seeing black people and black bodies moving in a very white privileged way which is you know white folk be like um to knock so to see a black person be like yes I came through what so Mo is coming with more like so here's some other ideas and maybe we can pinpoint where the music is coming from like Sensory deprivation tank. She was like putting you in a room full of mimes, all this crazy stuff. Zoe stops her and she's <laughs> like, You know what? I don't want to control it. It happens only when it's meant to happen. Right. Um, so I'm gonna go with the flow. We're just gonna see where okay, like, whatever. And she's like, you know, if you hear the music or whatever, just come on through to the house but knocking uh, on my door because I have a gentleman caller. And Lord
1: Zoe, Zoe, who Sade is? Girl, I said, again, why do you have this gift? She said, you do know who Sade is, right? And Zoe was like, um, oh, sure. I was like, Lord
0: just. And I so, was that I better, like, so I better, Sade better make it on one of these playlists, though. <laughs> that part. So I thought that was interesting. And then this episode ends in the same manner as the, the episode began, which is. She closes the door, goes back to her bedroom and she's singing. She's got the music and I've got the music, but this time she's singing, she's singing it, singing it. She's singing it. which if we remember, that's exactly how the episode opened. And this is a classic case of like circular or cyclical narrative where the narrative ends where it begins in the same setting, except for the care events have changed. So Zoe is very much a different at the end of this episode than she was at the beginning. Oh, she's singing the same song. And so that song was chosen for a reason, but it was also foreshadowing in the beginning. We didn't know why. Right. But now we know why. And the other part of it is foreshadowing was she had that poster that says everything under control that was by her door. Yep. that shifted and saw so at the end of the episode she saw the post-it and she didn't mm-hmm. go to fix it
1: yep because that was like the um highest level of acceptance and i'm like i think she's starting to get it
0: yeah and she's starting to get it and also zoe is very much a person who wants control i guess this is why i relate to her in a, in a little bit She. She wants control. she needs control over what's going on at work what's going what's going on with her dad's prognosis. She very much needs to feel involved in like she's making a difference and now she's just going with the flow so I thought that was great and I also thought it was a great to to mention from a screenwriting point of view that there are these there are mechanisms that writers use to drive the narrative and also to show character development
1: absolutely that was a good episode and i do think they spend a lot of time focusing on her best friend or we even if um nothing happened between them or she didn't necessarily help max it helps set the tone for why max is her best yeah
0: so i can't wait to see what happens in episode three so that's all for this week join us On our next recap of Zoe's Extraordinary Playlist, Episode 3, at the same Black time in the same Black-ass channel, until then, continue to defend, support, and protect Black people.